back to Cha Time. I'm your host, Samantha Blanchard. Since this is the first episode, I decided to be good to introduce myself and tell you a little bit about my family and my family history. So I was born and raised in Seattle, Washington, and I'm currently a student at San Diego State University studying journalism and media studies with a minor in Spanish. And being a South Asian woman and getting a minor in Spanish is a little bit strange, I think, to my family. Um, A lot of them wonder why I am not learning Hindi or why I can't understand it or why I can't speak it. But being biracial, you know, being half white, half Indian, fitting in can be more tough than usual, especially as a young adult. Um, I never feel quite Indian enough around my Indian family, and I always feel too different from my white family. I can't speak or understand Hindi, so there's a language barrier, and it doesn't allow me to feel as close to my Indian family and as close to my grandparents because they can speak and I can't understand what they're saying. And around my white family, I am usually the only non-white person in the room, and that itself is also kind of an othering experience. And I mean, my family history is a bit different than most Daisies. Um, my great-grandparents were the last of my family to be in India, so we haven't been there in generations. And due, the, due to the ongoing political issues in India, my family eventually left and actually moved to Fiji, where they've lived ever since. And I, would, I guess I feel more of a disconnect from Indian culture, and if anything, I feel like I can relate more to Islander or Pacific Islander culture And actually, one of my best friends, um, her family grew up in Maui and is from Maui, and she's Filipino. So she kind of has the same experience as me, where even though she is half Asian, she identifies more with island culture because it's what she grew up around, because her family barely lives in the Philippines anymore. And um, I think the culture there, you know, for islanders is big family, lots of food, um, being close to the water, you know. And it's, it's kind of the same, I would say, for my family. We are very big food family. Um, we love to just, you know, if we have family friends or, you know, I, I'm not really sure who's even related to me, to be honest, because usually we have a family friend or someone who comes in and we just accept them. And then I get told, oh, this is your uncle, Ramesh. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's my uncle, Ramesh. Um, but however, when my mom was 19, so around my age, she immigrated to the United States and with my grandparents, and they left Fiji for good. So obviously, this is a different experience than, than most Desi families immigrating directly from India. There's a lot of culture that you take with you when you, when you immigrate from India. And um, so upon her arrival, my mom was bullied at her jobs, you know, for her accent or sounding different. Um, It wasn't an Indian accent. I guess it was probably just kind of more broken English. And um, she worked at a pharmacy. She worked at Goodwill. So very entry level, just came to America, you know, kind of jobs. Um, But, you know, people would make fun of her for how she said certain words um, or she would bring food. This is a common experience for every Indian, I feel like, when you bring food. Indian food somewhere like to school or to work and everyone goes ew what is that or that looks gross or that smells gross Um, but you know if they tasted it it would probably be delicious and they would like it Um, so there's a lot of culture clashes you know between my mom's family and 
what she was learning becoming a young adult in the States. And so the assimilation was hard because you're basically bullied into assimilating if you want to fit in and you don't want to feel othered. And so one of the biggest culture clashes was with relationships and dating for my mom. So my mom started dating um, around 2021, I believe. She started dating a man named Joe and she wanted to move out with him, you know, move out of her parents' house. And my grandmother wouldn't let her move out unless she was married. So my mom got married (laughs) and was able to move out. Um, But I mean, if you think about it, that is a really drastic statement to make and to say that, you know, if you want to, you know, at this point, my mom is a full adult. She should be out of the house, you know, by typical American standards, move out at 18, move out at 20, you know, whatever, become financially independent from your parents. But for her, it was very much tied to, are you in a relationship? Are you married? Do you have children? Then you can move out, you know? And so even though assimilation is necessary for survival, basically, when you come to the U.S., it's it's hard. The culture clash is hard. And, you know, America is presented as being this melting pot kind of full of every ethnicity and every culture and every background when we all know from living here that it's not necessarily that way and it's not too accurate to call America a melting pot. And for a lot of Daisies, dating culture in particular is very traditional and it's one of the things that usually gets carried over from when families move from India or when they move from, you know, any Indian cultures. Um, Dating and marriage is something that they hold very close to them. So, I mean, for for Daisies, it's, it's kind of just like you grow up hearing, don't date, don't see boys, don't hang out with boys. And then all of a sudden, when you're of the right age, whenever that may be, they say, get married. It's time for you to get married. It's time for you to settle down. It's time for you to have children. So by that point, you know, to an American, that sounds crazy for us because we usually have dating experience before we get married. And we usually have a few relationships before we get married. And this is the exact opposite. You know, so one of the things I found the most interesting recently was that dating apps like Tinder, Bumble, etc. are on the rise in India. And it's becoming a huge change for the younger generation of people in India because they're learning how to date for the first time. You know, I'm sure there's still a lot of judgment from from more traditional families in India. But in general, it's. It's something that's never been seen before in traditional, you know, Indian culture is actually getting out and and playing the field, so to speak, or, you know, dating before you get married. And so it could change the entire new generation of Indian young adults and their view of dating and their view of relationships. And it makes me wonder if eventually arranged marriages will go down, if the number of them will go down, because India or love marriages. So in India, there's two types of marriages, love marriages and arranged marriages. So arranged is when usually your parents will pick someone out for you and you get married to them. It's a, you know, your families introduce each other, but generally it's someone who your parents choose for you or you pick out of, you know, a group of, of bachelors or bachelorettes. And now, you know, they have the total opposite experience with love marriages increasing where Indians are actually, you know, taking more accountability or more, you know, they're having more of a voice saying, 
I love this person. I don't want an arranged marriage. And I, you know, I deserve to marry the person that I love. And so there's a big shift going on right now. And there's way more love marriages than there once was in India. And dating apps could be part of a reason for that. But back to my mother, she, you know, besides the relationship and the love issues, she kind of, you know, had to adapt to a whole new way of life in general. She had new foods, new languages, you know, a new city. She was living in Fiji on an island and then all of a sudden in Seattle, Washington. Um, so she, you know, she kind of lost her her roots to her home She because she was bullied out of her accent, bullied out of her language. And even though she grew up learning both English and Hindi, um, she primarily started speaking English when she moved to the States. So even now, you know, she can't understand, or she she can understand Hindi, but she can't speak it. She has a really hard time understanding it still to this day, just because she's lost so much of it. And we actually went on a trip, me and my family went on a trip to Fiji um, to visit family. And it was the first time in my life I had seen her speak Hindi. And I mean, at the time, we all thought, you know, it was crazy, because we hadn't seen my mom speak Hindi ever in, in our whole lives. And here she is, you know, trying to ask for directions or whatever she was doing. And she could just barely get the words out. And it was it was funny, because at the time, you know, we're like, Oh, look at her trying to speak Hindi. But it was also just sad, because that's her first language. And that's what she grew up speaking. And she's lost so much of that. And um, just the living conditions and the culture in Fiji is incredibly different from the States. I mean, all of my family, Fiji is a poor country, you know, it's a third world country, they get most of their money from tourism. And most of my family there just lived in small houses, tin shacks, sometimes even, there's just not a lot of money there. And so it's a completely different culture. It's very religious, you know, there's a lot of temples everywhere. And um, it just immediately you get disconnected from your culture so fast once you have to assimilate and it's it's truly like a game of survival and now you know me being kind of somewhat of a first generation you know the daughter of an immigrant the assimilation my mom faced has made it a little harder for me and i'm sure a lot of daisy kids have this experience where because your parents have to be disconnected from their culture it makes it harder for us to connect to Desi culture and Indian culture. And we're expected to kind of know the culture because our parents and our grandparents know it. And there's still some times where, you know, I'll, I'll hear a reference to something in, in India or something in Bollywood or a name of a food or a name of clothing or some word I've never heard before. And my family always expects me to know what they're talking about but the truth is I have I have no clue and um, it's really difficult to feel like I can fit in with my Indian family because I am also extremely disconnected from that culture and I mean still to this day I remember multiple times having the phrase said to me what kind of Indian are you because I wouldn't understand something or I would say something was too spicy and then you know, that would be my, my family's retort to that. Um, so kind of just criticizing, in a sense, my my Indian identity. And so now, you know, being in college and kind of coming of age, I suppose, I have been trying to reclaim more of my identity as a South Asian and find more ways to connect back to that culture. Um, and 
actually, I mean, the first time this year, I, I looked up what Diwali actually stood for and what Diwali celebrates because I truly didn't know. Um, and for those of you who don't know, it, it's a festival of lights and it's the celebration of good over evil. And um, my roommate actually this year is Punjabi. So there's differences there just between, you know, he's much more connected to Punjabi culture and to Indian culture. And he can speak a little bit of Punjabi and his family is very traditional. You know, they hold very traditional values about relationships, education, and he feels othered within his family just because his parents' goals and his family's goals don't align with what he wants for himself. You know, he wants to be making movies and being creative and, you know, trying to market himself. And his parents were trying to push him into the medical field and, you know, all these high paying kind of STEM jobs. And that's something that a lot of Desi kids face is that, you know, we are constantly being pushed into STEM jobs because that's what is high paying and that's what has, you know, a, a good reputation. And that's what South Asian families or even Middle Eastern families, that's what a lot of the culture is about is reputation. And sometimes that's damaging because reputation, choosing reputation over family or recognizing what your children truly want for themselves and their career and their lives don't always align. And so at some point it just becomes about saving face, um, which is difficult, you know, because, and I'm sure that my roommate feels disappointed that he can't truly pursue what he wants to do in life because he feels he he would be letting down his family. And I mean, in addition to assimilation and immigration and all of these issues, one of the biggest things that we still are facing is just underrepresentation and misrepresentation in media of Indians. It's pretty much just, you know, we see Indians being cab drivers or Indians managing a convenience store or you know, playing an exaggerated accent or actors, Indian actors who don't even have accents, playing Indian characters with accents or having white characters voice Indian characters like Apu from The Simpsons. And so there's just, there's a total lack of representation. And when we are represented, it's usually, you know, not degrading us in, in a sense, but it's just under and misrepresenting us as, as a culture. I mean, India is a huge culture. I think we're the second most populated country after China. And just the lack of representation of South Asian culture and Desi culture that we see in the U.S. is heartbreaking to me. You know, not growing up, seeing myself represented on, on TV or in movies or in magazines was really difficult. And it's still difficult because there's still a lack of representation. And, you know, for the first episode, I think I'll cut it short this time, but I wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. Chow Time is hosted weekly on Wednesdays and can be found on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And I hope you subscribe and be sure to listen in next week for more information on the day's experience and identity. Once again, I'm your host, Samantha Blanchard, and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Chow Time Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>